0: Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co hosts Daniel Quinn and Christopher Prunty. Gentlemen, good to have you on, as always. So happy to virtually see you. On today's episode, we're concluding our patron prompt into the City of a Thousand Echoes, a city where the dead co-mingle among the living built on a massive geothermal spot that also causes space and time to warp around it. And on last episode, we ended on a twist, which was, it's a trap. So, gentlemen, how do we reconcile it's a trap with our giant floating megacity?
1: I incorporated the uh, twist of it's a trap into my factions, actually. Oh, no. okay. Uh.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's not jump ahead to factions quite yet. So let's, let's go ahead and do the, the twist bit a little bit differently uh, if that's the case. So, so Daniel, what's your, is your twist also built into one of your factions or conflict?
2: Uh, n- no, I was, so I didn't, I wasn't really sure what to do with the twist. I was thinking of what the twist shouldn't be because I feel like there's a lot of obvious things, you know, that would pop up. And I think like, we probably want to avoid the obvious. Like, my, my first thought is obviously, oh, the twist is that um, whatever lies within the rift is evil and it's going to screw everyone over. Like, obviously, that we don't want to do that. That's dumb. Um, so, I was trying to think of like what are the. Well, thank the you
0: very much, Daniel. I've now got to rethink my twist part. So. <laughs>
2: or you know like it can't be as straightforward as like it's an eldritch entity in the rift and it's going to suck everyone's brains out like okay obviously wow
0: wow okay (laughs) you're two for two now daniel thanks I really want to incorporate mind
2: flayers into the setting, but I guess we're not doing exactly. That now. You know, like and, and the other thing, like the echoes are actually evil, and they're like our evil versions of ourselves. You know, those are the kind of things we know uh, when you hear. Rips, okay, and you hear so, so that's
0: actually the one I didn't want to do. Is the right. is that everyone just has a goatee compared to their original I know, version? Right. You know? and, and
2: yeah. I think like a lot of times, when I, it's I guess it's important to think about like. Because I mean, I'm not intru- I'm not providing a, a real solution, a real answer to what you're asking, but I think it's important when we're world building to be mindful of the tropes that are tired. And I think mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. are tired tropes. you know. You, and if you're going to use one, you can use you absolutely could use a tired trope, but you've got to spin it in such a way that someone goes, hmm, that's I've heard that before, but I haven't heard it done that way. You know, that's what I mean. Uh,
0: right. And that, that kind of brings me to what I was thinking about in terms of the twist which was, you know, what what does this rift, what does this city, what does this setting tend to represent? Right. And I was thinking that it comes to represent our inability to let go.
2: Yeah, um, I like
0: that. So, so that's kind of that was kind of painting my theme and my my approach to the twist, um, because you know. I, when when i think of i also wanted to break down the twist a little bit in that you know it's a funny admiral akbar quote right you know that mm-hmm. it's kind of been memified but uh you know it's a trap implies that there is some kind of foresight and there in it, there is some kind of intent mm-hmm. behind it you know like there there seems to be an intention of deception right that's right. that's kind of how ha- well, we have that
2: trap is like you planned a, a a danger for someone in advance
0: exactly Exactly. And so uh, kind of going back to what we were thinking, where the planet is an entity, uh, I was thinking that in some way, right? and, And also building off of this idea that it represents the inability to let go. I had this idea that this planet is essentially trapping people in their inability to let go, which is why they find their loved ones and even themselves so often, you know, out of all the planets that we come to explore and colonize, why does this one suddenly have human dead people on it? Mm-hmm. You know, human human living. And, and you know, part of that is obviously a spatial and time rift, but the other part of it is that this rift is manifesting those memories. So it's not entirely random. You know, it's it's drawing from the people who come and visit it. And in that way, it, it's almost like an angler fish, you know, like that's just kind of here, here is what you want. Stay a while and listen, you know, like that. And then essentially trapping the people there.
2: So is it kind of like Solaris? Sorry.
0: Uh, I don't know what Solaris is.
2: Um, so it's like this this living like planet kind of lake that has a similar psychic phenomenon to Oh. It.
0: Yeah. See, the only living planets I'm aware of are Unicron and Ego, the living planet from Marvel. So, what about I, Oa? I can't really.
1: Is that a what, living what? planet? Is Oa a living planet? What's that? It's the one that's a Green Lantern.
0: Oh yeah. Um. I, okay. Yeah. We'll we'll toss him in there. All right. Them in there. I suppose. True. Um. True. So so Daniel like. I, I actually, you know, like I, I joked previously, but like, I don't want the planet to just necessarily be evil, right? you know, where it's like, you know, but I, I think that that's just kind of what happens to the people on this planet. Like it needs to, I, I treat it kind of like uh Galactus. It needs to feed on something and it might not necessarily be killing these people as they're, you know, like. Creating the echoes, but it is kind of like, "Hey, I'm feeding off of you just as much as you're feeding off of me." Type thing. It's intentional that I'm doing this.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it, it again it makes me think of Solaris because, like, the the beings that lived in the planet like are kind of accidentally awakened, and it causes all kinds of psychological traumas that and people end up killing themselves and killing others because of it. But it's mm-hmm. not like the the beings are trying to hurt them. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I I this is where your your um, See, this is where your expertise in sci-fi or at least, you know, <laughs> knowledge of sci-fi comes in. Because, you know, again, I'm, I'm less familiar with sci-fi in general.
2: But no, I think that it's not I'm not saying, though, that, that, that what you're talking about is like in any way rip offers too similar. No, but it's just in the same like, category, which is cool, you know, because mm-hmm. our rift sounds very different than others.
0: Right.
1: So. Right. So, Chris, what was your faction associated to the twist? Uh, the faction that I had in mind for the twist, uh, I wanted to play upon the trapping aspect. And I know that we said that echoes would be somewhat rare, but I wanted the study of them and the study of the act of consciousness to be very prevalent. Mm-hmm. And I came up with an organization or a company called Boltzmann uh, Administrative Solutions, Okay. And what they do is they trap consciousness, either of an echo of or of a quote-unquote living person, and they clone it. So it's not essentially you, and it's not essentially them, but they see uh, the echoes or consciousness as a whole as it's not your dead relative. It's not a past life. It's not a future you. Uh, I I found this uh, philosophical thing called the Boltzmann brain that it believes if everything is possible, then out of uh, the universe, eventually a consciousness will spontaneously come into existence. Not one that is Hmm. connected to a body, just one that has it. And they believe that these consciences are just spontaneous bits that for complete random reasons... Act or uh, talk like past loved ones or current loved ones or just people in general. And I wanted them to be behind uh, kind of putting them in uh, brain in a jar kind of style things of, all right, uh, you are now going to administer this house. You are going to do this program or even in a malicious way to Be a weapon where you kind of uh, raise this consciousness, prod at it, do horrible things to it. And then you're like, all right, we're going to put you into an autonomous drone and just let you loose, but only give you uh, enough battery for 30 minutes.
0: I feel like you've been playing a lot of cyberpunk lately. Some of that is cyberpunk related.
2: <laughs> I like the Halton uh-huh. brain reference though. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually very cool. Yeah. Let's not, let's not buy away from that.
1: And what, uh, on that thread, I was also coming up with, uh, the fact that you can run into your future self. Uh, if, if the future self gives you information for the future, is that in fact committing suicide? Because the future you that should have existed never had that that information.
2: Oh yeah. And I mean, are they parallel future you's? Are they like, is this a a, a loop where your actions um, uh, cause the future to happen? No matter what, that's the question.
1: Yeah. If if you said that you were going to give your past self a million dollars, and it was five years ago. At what point are you giving that million dollars to a totally different person? Right. And Ooh. then the existential dread sets in. And right. yeah, that's my faction. All right. So full of existential dread and science. Sounds cool. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so they're, they're kind of like um, intellectualizing what they think is happening in the Rift, basically.
1: Correct. But mm-hmm. also doing it for uh, profit. And I want it to be the mixture of both uh, science and also, in a weird way, uh, magic. In the fact that think of it as like necromancers making seals or uh, circuitry is actually like runes, something that's uh, keeping these. You and your ghosts goddamn runes, contained. What? I love runes. What of? I, I okay.
0: So I also like runes, but I've never loved runes the way that you love runes. Let's just put
1: it that way. I love digging, and I love runes, and farming.
2: <laughs> so are they like responsible for building the equipment that can trap echoes?
1: Correct. Okay. Hmm. They're and it, like the
2: ghostbusters of this I mean, setting.
1: the way that I picture it is imagining it something weird's happening in your building it was just like yeah the Mm -hmm. elevator has just been going on and uh up and down for the last 12 hours uh we don't see anything mechanically wrong with it so we we need one of your technicians to come in and take a look and (laughs) and it's just like all right no one's allowed to see what i'm doing and Uh he's actually in a way performing something akin to like an exorcism but also Uh a uh psychotherapy
2: What's that game that people are into now that deals with ghosts, investigators? Uh, Phantasma. Oh, Phasmophobia. Yeah. Phasmophobia. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, I know Phasma is a movie. Phantasm is great.
2: Yeah.
0: Boy,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry, I had to try my best, Angus Scrim. There, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so we've got Ghostbusters, but like hi, end. So, so the idea of Ghostbusters originally was like schlubby blue collar workmen this sounds like the opposite where it's like hey we've got fancy science people science philosopher kings running this shit you know yes yeah
2: I think that's that's the natural consequence of the situation which makes
1: sense and I like to think that they pick the people who are these technicians that they don't view them as ghosts or anything that's truly like supernatural or weird they're just like Oh god, this fucking thing's on the haywire again. Why can't you just behave? <laughs> they don't give a shit. It's just their
0: work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well if we're moving I, I feel like with the uh with the twist kind of thoroughly explored and we're already moving into factions. Daniel, tell us all about your faction.
2: Um, yeah, I my thinking for my faction was I was thinking back on the movie Flatliners, um, where in that movie the characters basically induce um like near-death experiences, they're trying to explore what that is. Um, I was thinking about these, these echoes wandering around, and some of them represent your future selves, and obviously people would be super interested in that. So I'm thinking there is a group of people who, whether they're a company or they're, um, you know, maybe like some group that operates under the radar, that gets, um, they capture echoes and what they do through whatever technology they have is try to explore their future lives. So rather than the echo trying to inhabit a person, which would be expected with a ghost, um, the person trying to inhabit the echo and try and see what their future life is. So I'm thinking kind of like, you know, like astral travel or like dream travel. They're doing that with the echo to see what the future could be for themselves and to live that future, even though it's an echo of their future that they can't actually access. So mm-hmm. like if, if they if they find an echo that when they interact with it, it's like, oh, this echo had experienced some trauma or maybe it had like a wonderful rich ex- life because of its future. It's like wealthy and it died happily. And so to experience that, they capture it and then they inject their own consciousness into it temporarily. they're hmm. so, like memory or future delvers of some kind. So there,
0: are they are they like archivists in a way
2: as well? I don't. I mean, I'm sure that there are some that are trying to like um, save the information, but I think the majority of them just like the flatliners. Like they're in it for the experience and for the experience of the unknown. Like it's a thrill to them.
0: Gotcha. So, it. so are you? Are they commercializing this in some way? Is there like some like company out there that's like, hey, we can give you this experience over and over again? That type of thing.
2: I would say that would be cool. I would. I imagine what would how this might start is it's an unknown thing or technology. There's a small group exploring this and it's dangerous. And maybe like mm-hmm. the conflict in that group is one of them's like, oh, we could sell this. And then that the, the person who started is like, no, we're supposed to be doing this because we need to find out, you know, the truth about our future. But then that person's like, but no, we could turn this into like a commercialized type of endeavor. And then there's like a conflict. In the
0: I, I feel like every, every uh, well-meaning venture yeah. always ends up with but money though right. <laughs> like <with> a, <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah like that. that's basically what happens to everything you know
2: uh-huh. i mean maybe and- could even be this delver group uh, they uh, either splintered off or maybe the original scientists had some interest in it, and they're trying to flatline their way into their loved one you know or something who knows
1: mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. that sounds so dark <laughs> I'm going to flatline into one of my loved ones. Yep. Um, Yeah, that's horrifying. I picture it as like a ragtag group. Like maybe the goal is something more uh, lofty. Like it is for the experience, but maybe it's just like there is a coming uh, catastrophe that we need to learn about and we can prevent it if we can find someone who actually understood what was happening. That would
2: be cool too, yeah.
0: See, yeah, now that's that's like this extra like sub- story that's being told. And I love that. I feel like that's probably a really good sign of an excellent setting is that you have like all of these different story ideas that you get from
2: exploring the world and, and kind of building it up even further. It's like having different like parties, you know, like to play the campaign, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> different yeah.
0: Yeah, of course. And and that's how, you know, it's fun and good when you're doing yeah. it that way, for sure. Um, So it's, it's funny. You should mention that, you know, you're doing like an experience, you know, of like, and again, we're, we're kind of building off of that theme of not being able to let go in a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of wanted to play a little bit with that with my faction, but in the opposite way. Um, in that my faction are, I, again, I, I wanted, let's not over explain, hold on. Mm-hmm. I wanted to explore um, the people who are actually working in the area with the rift. Right. So these are people who have not yet. uh, These are people who are basically the lowest of the low. They are the people with almost nothing left to lose people who have like nothing left to lose and essentially nothing to hold on to, like nothing that kind of keeps them, which, which actually like, their squalor and dereliction essentially keeps them to be the prime targets for the people who are doing the work in the rift because they're the ones who are least likely to get stuck. You know, they're the ones who are least likely to to, to get caught up in these spatial and time rifts. And it's like, fuck it, we need to live for the right now. We need to live for this moment. Otherwise we will, you know, like I have nothing left, you know, and it's like you have to pick these people who are on the lowest of the low. Otherwise, I have a family. I have money, you know, like I don't want to let go of this. And so they're they get drawn into that spatial rift even further. You know, that's kind of the interpretation that I'm going with.
2: It's like lower decks. It's like the the, you know, the the characters who don't
0: dare bring up lower decks daniel
2: (laughs) i mean i wasn't super into lower decks but i like the idea of like let's let's look at what the people who are um on the lowest rung what they have to deal with and what their perspective is of this whole situation
0: okay if if, when you put it that way i will allow you to bring up lower decks. yeah like i I
2: appreciate lower deck's premise you know
0: okay yeah that's fine but and that's and that's basically what i'm going with here i want yeah. to, and, and and i i imagine them being called runners you know oh, because okay. it's like and, and really just like playing up this like daredevil aspect of it mm-hmm. almost you know where this is all i got
2: you the know like was yeah <laughs> yeah
0: exactly like this this is all i got i've got nowhere to go and then eventually like if you do it enough there is potential for you to get caught up in being like oh well, i can't do this anymore mm-hmm. and there's almost potentially a cyclical aspect that could happen, you know, where uh, you get out of this immense poverty by doing the running enough. And then once you're out, you know, you're like, oh, well, I didn't change any of my behavior. So I'm basically going to go right back into it because I don't know how to spend or save or, you know, move in the social circles, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know. Would you say
1: that they live in like the shadows of society?
0: No, not really. I mean, they're, they're basically homeless folks. So, um, well, I mean, what what would you consider the shadow of society, Chris? Uh,
1: Where people don't look. Vagabonds. (laughs) Uh, Homeless people I do see living in, in the shadows as it were thieves. See, I, I, that sounds really negative about homeless people. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like I, I,
0: I would argue that it's, They exist, but people try to ignore them. So it's not like they're in the shadow It's not like they're trying to hide It's that people ignore them. I find that to be very different than those who are, you know, like you you don't see, you know, like criminal organizations out and about all the time, you know, like you. But you do see homeless folks around the city. That's that's the difference that I'd want to make, you know, like in terms of shadow. I guess I mean, when,
2: when you talked about them, I was also thinking of like just the lowest rung of worker as well. Like, oh, yeah. you said that there are people that need to work in or near the rift and you have to be dangerous. It's dangerous there. I was thinking like, you know, you're jumpsuited janitor or your you know, um, lowest mm-hmm. level um, security worker who has no name. They don't really he has the name tag. Nobody remembers his name her name and they're the ones that get shit on and have to do the dirty work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, shit, it's not it could even be something like um, and this is going to sound real dumb, but do you guys know Deadliest Catch, which is all about like crab fishing?
1: I know. Yes.
0: OK. So that was a show that ran on Discovery that I actually don't know if it's still running or not, but for it, it ran for a long time and it basically, you know, um, shows like, hey, these are the fishermen who go out in insanely dangerous waters to catch Alaskan king crab, which is very expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, you're like, why does that make sense here? It's because when you actually follow the people who work on those boats, many of them are drug addicts. Many of them are, um, you know, like caught in this cycle of addiction or abuse. Or, and and like if, if they're not working, then they would like easily tumble down a worse hole. Um, now mind you, this is not all of them, but. And because I want to make this clear, like, it's not like I'm saying all fishermen are fucking addicts or anything like that, <laughs> uh, because that's not the case. Well, obviously, that's what you mean. Like,
2: every fisherman out there is a drug
1: addict. Well, it, it's kind of like food service. Not every food service person yes. is a yeah. chain-smoking divorcee that has a heroin and alcohol problem.
0: It's, it's not heroin. heroin. It's uh, cocaine in uh, food service. You're t- right. Only in, right. in, your in, your right. in
1: your My apologies. Yeah, exactly.
0: But right. But that's, that's kind of the stereotype that goes around it. Like, but those are the people that, that attracts, right? Like that, that type of work attracts because it's like, I can make a shit ton of money for, you know, like backbreaking labor for a a couple of weeks. Sure. I'll do that. You know, like that's the type of person who's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. You know?
1: Um, Well, you, but anyway, and you know, some people find that alluring.
0: Also that, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's move away from this incredibly <laughs> dark subject and talk about some conflicts that we got going on. Uh, Daniel, why don't you start us off this time?
2: Uh, so the conflict I had kind of I th- would tie in, I think, with what um, uh, Chris was talking about with this faction of uh, ghostbusting administrators, uh, white-glove white uh, ghostbusters. Um, I'm thinking there may be a group of people who um, hunt specific echoes and these are the ones that are potential futures of people um to create a market in 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 futures so you know the the conflict there of course is that it's like you're you're creating like a self-fulfilling prophecy that way like by hunting these potentials so like if i'm if i'm let's say i'm a businessman and i want to find out if my business is going to succeed i hire this group to go into the rift and find my future self and see what they can glean from that to see what the potential is for its success and then you come back with that information and then you manipulate the market with it so you end up with um people who are almost like betting against themselves um so and then of course the danger is you're really creating your own future that way because you're tilting things in that in the favor of that future um so it's kind of like a faction conflict mixed together and um, I think I think since oh sorry, I was, was going to say, like, I think since um Chris mentioned his faction, I think that that would tie in pretty well.
1: I can see the influence of how much you've been reading Wall Street bets in your face.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that definitely <laughs> seeped into my mind. Like these are like, I, I, does that mean there's like a Reddit, a, a Reddit group that's part of a sub faction that's like competing against the big hedge fund version of this group? <laughs>
1: they find all the successful futures and then yes. hide them away
2: yes <laughs> and then they extort the larger company for it <laughs> jimmy to the moon
0: so wait are they are they essentially trading their future for their present is that what they're doing they're literally yes. trading away their futures
2: yes they are because they're they're not living in the moment they're banking on they're they're wasting their present time to try and achieve a future that's not necessarily real
0: that is such a mind fuck. And um, I kind of fucking dig it, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh, man.
2: I can I totally see Wall Street bets, though. It's, that's exactly what it is. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, it, and yeah. The name of your company, by the way, is like the Wayland. <laughs> no, no. It's like Wayland Soul Tie Betting, you know, like something <laughs> like that. Just, <laughs> just give it the same names, you know, all that bullshit. Yeah. Time and hand care. Oh my oh, god. Diamond hand care, yes. That's uh yep, okay. Yeah, diamond hands. Oh god damn it. <laughs> their
2: their phrase is hold in all caps.
0: <laughs> I think you mean hold the line. Hold the line, yeah. Yeah. Oh god.
1: Yep. My conflict was going to be what it means to be human and kind of a story that I wanted to have is uh the spoilers is have you ever seen Moon?
0: Yeah. Yeah, of
1: course. No, I love Moon. I'm picturing some very talented uh, middle manager or uh, bureaucrat accountant or something that doesn't know that his mind has been copied a thousand times over. And he's actually been working at millions of places, never seeing any profit from it, but he's essentially enslaved across uh this city doing menial tasks for just counting and he doesn't realize it until he kind of digs a little bit deeper and then starts seeing uh shadows of himself everywhere irregularities yeah it's imagine like the little well not the little but his conscious everywhere is constantly trying to like call out to him and be like, free us. And it's kind of like his own personal matrix of him trying to free himself from there.
0: But wow. for, for some reason I'm picturing this as like he, they would find the most perfectly banal, boring, like, like he is made to be a worker drone. Like that's basically who he is. He's like, Oh, I really enjoy filling out those reports. Like that's the type of person he is. And so they found like the most agreeable person to copy and the one who's like, I've got to free myself is actually like the weird derivation. Like he's like the, the one who's like, wait, we love doing this. Why are you trying to stop us from doing our work? You know, well, he's a
2: degradation. Like having been, yeah. so much, he finally has a sense of autonomy.
0: That's great. I actually, mm-hmm. I actually
1: really appreciate that aspect of it.
2: It also fits into your faction, because it could be, this could be happening in your worker faction.
1: Yeah, I could see some person just getting promoted throughout the years, and due to the fact of management changing and other things happening, they don't even realize what they're doing until he gets to, like, an upper level, and he's just like, wait a minute, these administrative uh, uh, echoes, who are they based on? Oh, uh, I don't know. Look up the source material. (laughs) And then he sees it, and it's just like a moment that's just
2: like, oh, fuck. I just love a psychic. It's like a psychic version of Moon, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm also thinking of like, what do you mean every or or it's like you know how you know how it's like oh every office has a richard you know like that type of thing oh, but then God. it's like making that really do literally. yeah like it's <laughs> like literally everyone has a richard yeah that is awesome
1: i could <laughs> yeah. also see the chain reaction of something that causes them to rebel is not so much like uh dividing by zero but just someone who is trying to cover up their own like shady accounting Mm-hmm. And like all the administrative bots are just like, no, that doesn't make sense. And it's just like trying to brute force. It was just like, no, these numbers do add up. And it's just like, no, no, they don't.
0: <laughs> so in, 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 actually, that sounds like a feature, not a bug. <laughs> it sounds like, hey, we're trying to keep the accounting honest here. Guess what? We've got Richard. All right. <laughs> Richard's the one right? who's going to make sure your accounting stays honest. That uh-huh. type of thing.
1: God, I see the advertisement for that and it's just horrifying.
0: It's just like this like slightly pudgy white guy with like black glasses and balding and he's like got a pocket protector and stuff like that. And he's like, I'm here to serve, you know, like I'm, I'm here to do my part, you know? Until until of course like one day he basically goes crazy and murders his entire family and then hops on a plane and is never seen for eighteen years. Well, um, for eighteen years.
1: You <laughs> see, the problem is when they decided to upgrade from Richard to Smith, it became a massive movie of uh, falling down on a citywide uh, <laughs> wide scale.
0: Actually, I, I I like that more than like the mass revolt. It's like. I'm not obsolete. You're obsolete. This whole damn ob- This this whole damn organization's obsolete. Just because <laughs> we've got this new Smith model doesn't mean that I'm not gonna. You know, like, but he's like super even keeled about it and shit like that. Well, there's an uh, opportunity
2: too for some fun, like reversals and surprises if the premise isn't known, because um, you know the group could contain a future Richard, and that and the current Richard doesn't realize that's future Richard, and future Richard doesn't want to tell present Richard that fact and so then you realize you know oh they're all everyone in the party is Richard
1: (laughs) it's Richard's all the way down right
2: (laughs) which should be an amazing like reveal
1: (laughs) oh man but,
2: but how do
0: you okay but how do do you you reconcile that yeah it's like well so you got fucking packed up in a combine and like different richards you you could have
2: like at least three right you could have future richard who's too old to be recognizable Maybe he has a rough future right you could have a richard who wears like a a containment suit because he was damaged in a rift accident you could have present richard who looks like richard so that's at least three
0: richards (laughs) Okay, right, but why wouldn't, like, damaged Richard notice the other Richards look like him, how he used to look?
2: Maybe um, maybe they don't know. Like, okay. oh, you mean why wouldn't future Richard recognize present Richard?
0: Yeah, that too.
2: Maybe they have incentives to not say anything to present Richard.
0: Okay, this just sounds like that episode of Futurama where you find out that um, the guy who's dating Leela is actually fry from like an alternate reality yes, or some shit. I
2: mean, yeah, 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 yeah. They've got to have like incentives to not tell President Richard is the whole gimmick. You know <laughs>
0: <laughs> this sounds like a game we need to make up and like it sounds like a party game. It's it, or, or oh, actually that's
2: what it's called. Don't tell Richard.
0: Um actually that okay that in and of itself sounds really fun because it sounds like if you tell him he'll snap. Yes. And it's like you it like, know the whole point of the game is to make sure that Richard doesn't
2: snap. Doesn't know. you got going to pull off the caper without revealing the, for the secret.
0: <laughs> it, despite, like, mounting evidence. Yeah. Yes,
2: yes. So it's like the guy in the suit. He can't take the suit off at any point. You know, and old Richard has to make sure that he's wearing, like, significantly distracting clothing. Because he kind of looks <laughs> like Richard, you know? <laughs>
0: but but okay
2: All right, there's also like it? female richard so it's a it's a potential future where he was a different gender you know so what is the
1: female version of richard it's richard she's just female <laughs> uh wouldn't it be ricky
2: yes yeah, so she has a slightly different name
1: yeah <laughs> but It'd
2: she's be like Ri- richard
0: she'd be like ricky Ultra lake richard. you know <laughs> chris you remember ricky lake don't you uh wow well, I can't believe you've ignored TV icon Ricky Lake. That's just disrespectful.
2: Did you know Judge Judy makes forty-seven million dollars a year? Still a year? Yeah. Yes, a good year. Lord. Good for her. I love
0: Judge Judy. <laughs> How many? I, mean, I know it's all. I know it's all fake and everything. I don't get. I
1: don't care. It's amazing. Straight. That's what about, fantastic. What about the bailer? Does he make enough money? He better yeah, make good money. I love the bailiff. Yeah, he doesn't
2: make fifty dollars an hour yet.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, speaking of disenfranchised workers, oh. um, that actually ties into my faction quite well, oh. or my conflict quite well. So my conflict, uh, you know, I I took a class last year in the 1930s, which is like this massive time of upheaval, and uh, we also watched um, we also watched Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times, where there are scenes where he is out of work for so long because the, are on, or the labor unions are on strike. And then he goes to work for a day once they, the strike is over. And then halfway through his lunch hour, he, they go on strike again. And so the conflict that I actually wanted to talk about here was the constant threat of labor strikes, because I find that to be really fascinating I also wanted to go a little bit left field with it because Uh think about the idea that the city is constantly growing and the city is constantly like expanding outward, right? There is on the fringe of this, a, a labor, a labor union dispute a hundred percent of the time. And whether it be like, and, and the whole concept is basically like, look, labor unions are going to be on strike when you're telling your story. That could be background information that could be pertinent to the plot, but it's almost always happening because guess what? No one wants to pay these people what they're worth. And the labor unions are trying to save them from that.
2: So this is specifically with your your faction of workers, right?
0: No, no. it's, It's labor union in general doesn't have to be just with the lowest of the low it could be in general unions are good and so there's a constant threat of union strikes
1: Hmm.
0: there's an Hmm. implication of course that you know the people there aren't getting paid well enough which i think is also an interesting idea to kind of explore as well but that's neither here nor there
2: what's the sci-fi spin of this because like it's one thing to, to have the you know, labor unions in the setting, which makes sense, but.
0: Why why do I need a sci-fi spin, Daniel? It's, they're, okay, they're sci-fi labor unions. There we go.
2: (laughs) No, I think we do need a spin because if you can't, like, you can take like some whatever mundane concept you want from the real world, plop it into fantasy or sci-fi, but we've got to take whatever that means for, like what, what does labor unions mean for society, right? Like, and what can we, what can we extend, like amplify about that to make it interesting for the sci-fi.
1: I have an idea and it comes to what is many people's fear and also of labor unions, uh, Mm -hmm. automation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not sure if, I think it's called Better Than Us or Better Than Human. Uh, There was a faction called the Liquidators. Uh, As more and more people got replaced by machines, Mm -hmm. their entire thing of besides going on strike was to either destroy the means of them making more machines or destroy the machines that had
2: replaced their jobs. That's what I mean. So like, there's something like that that's taking the idea and pushing it into the future.
0: It's not because Luddites did that back when the industrial revolution was happening. This idea, this rejection of technology is a constant. Like I, I, appreciate the idea of extrapolating into a sci-fi setting. Mm. I think that we don't always have to do something like that because it shows a reflection of our modern times and our uh, modern problems. Like What it says is, oh, these problems still haven't been fixed even in the future. It grounds the setting more in reality I mean, we can' extrapolate we we can you know extrapolate it to the point where it's like, oh, the work is different now, but realistically, I think that labor disputes are a constant, essentially. Well, that's
2: what I mean though, like what what are the labor disputes in the future then in this future?
0: so you wanna you want to recontextualize what it means to be a labor
2: dispute exactly. So I mean, like it's so like for, for example, like you can say socialism still exists in the future, right? but like, that's boring for sci-fi or for fantasy. We want to say socialism still gets the future. And here's what it looks like in that future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what Mm -hmm. is the labor dispute look like in that future? Like, since we have the rift and we've got your workers, we've got, look, Daniel,
0: we've been replaced. We've been getting replaced by Richards for too long. There you (laughs) go.
2: (laughs) That's what I'm looking for.
0: You know? (laughs) So so we can do something like that. We can also do something like, I, I like the idea of just like work conditions fucking suck. Uh-huh. We're trying to make a city block on a fucking con- like on an ocean. Do you right. know how difficult right. that must be? And there's like, no
2: there's no safety regulations. People there's are minimal the safety ritz. regulations, right? right? There's
0: only safety mm-hmm. regulations because labor unions exist,
2: right? And so that's what I mean. So like, now, what because what we're really doing in sci-fi is we're trying to talk about the present, right? But we're hiding it in sci-fi language so like that's what i'm asking what's the sci-fi language of this setting to talk about labor unions is, like, see
0: i'd rather that? just be a fucking punch to the face and be like no fuck your future bullshit <laughs> this is the same thing that's been happening forever it and we'll like it. otherwise it's didactic
2: well, right nobody wants to read it
0: not necessarily oh no yeah. that's that, that's that's a false no no no, no. That's, that's, that's absolutely what behavior. we do in sci-fi Oh, well, no, no, I'm not arguing that. You're yeah. you're arguing that if I don't wrap it in sci-fi yes. tinsel, then people don't want to read it. No. I yeah, have the entire bookshelf <laughs> of, like, modernist fiction that explores stuff like that. I wonder that read that's not sci-fi, them.
2: right? Like, that's what I'm saying.
0: What? But that's not sci-fi.
2: Like, so, like, if I pick no, up... No, but you don't, but
0: I, I'm suggesting that, like, what I'm suggesting is that you don't need to gussy it up to make it interesting. Like we can extrapolate that idea, but my conflict is just kind of like a simple one. You know, like, it's just like there, it exists. It's still there in the setting. I'm not trying to make like a whole, I'm not trying to make a whole plot hook surrounding it. You know, I just want it to be there. I want it to be known and
2: I want it to be in the setting. That's, that's all I'm trying to suggest. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just trying to push you to do that. Only because I feel like, you know, when we read something like Neuromancer, right, like we can talk about cyberpunk because it has like the language of sci-fi to talk about those issues. Right. So mm-hmm. like when we talk about labor dispute, it's like we've got the Richards to talk about, you know, cheaper, cheapening labor, you know, as and, and losing humanity. That's one way of saying that. Sure. Which makes it easier to say. That's what I am That's what I'm saying.
0: Well, if 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 that's what we want to say then we can also mm-hmm. do that with the runners as well. Right, exactly. You know, like we we can go down that route as well. But yeah. I I didn't want it to be like, oh, well, you know, because to me and maybe this is part of what I have trouble with when it comes to sci-fi,
2: uh-huh.
0: is that it's like you don't need to call it, you know, like it doesn't need to be neo New York, you know, like Tokyo or whatever it uh-huh. is. I don't need the extra, I don't need the extra bells and whistles to talk about that shit. Sometimes like there should be some universality that is separate from the setting. You know, like I should be able to understand like, Hey, there's a labor union dispute. Okay. Fucking get it. Like, and that's all it needs to be, you know, it doesn't need to be like, well, you know, we're, what we're really talking about here is this in this sci-fi setting. It's like, no, what you're actually talking about is what we're actually talking about. You know, like, I think that I take umbrage with the idea that every sci-fi thing has to have the veneer of sci-fi to talk about the thing rather than just talking about the thing. Does that make sense?
2: I guess kind of, I guess what I'm getting at is like, it it comes down to what then makes it science fiction, right? So like you've got to have some of that, what you're talking about your veneer of looking into the future for it to be a sci-fi. So if you had a novel that was, just about labor disputes and they happen to be flying cars. Right, Like now is that is that really, is that literary fiction that has some speculative trappings or can we even call that sci-fi, right? Cause now it's it's really a discussion of of like labor and it's got like some sprinkling of flying cars. Whereas say it was about a bunch of Richards who have been cloned and cheapened labor mm-hmm. and there's a group that's been created to deal with the dispute. Now you have a premise of sci-fi, right? but you're really mm-hmm. talking about labor dispute. That, that's the distinction I mean. See, see, I think
0: what I'm trying to get at is some kind of like sci-fi version of magical realism where right. it's like this just so, and, and also the other thing I was I, I was kind of keeping in mind was mm-hmm. the setting in and of itself is already like entirely sci-fi, right? Right, exactly. So why not keep the the conflict that I wanted to focus on a little bit more grounded so it can have like, a little bit more grit to it compared to echoes and like high technology, right. uh, you know, kind of concepts. So in a vacuum, I would agree that like, if we're trying to make this sci-fi, we want to make sure that it's like about the sci-fi thing, but in this yeah, setting, now that we've yeah. Created, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Then yeah. I understand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I guess that you don't have to have every labor dispute being about the same, uh, problem each each time it could be indicative of how horrible things are that every week it has to be like oh god they're once again they're taking away our lunch breaks now
2: because they Mm -hmm. manifest in different ways is what you're saying right in in all the ways that the things we've come up with right
1: yeah
0: and and i like i like the idea that like despite this massive city that is constantly expanding that is running off of this you know, essentially magical energy, right? Like this geothermal energy and the spatial rifts, despite all of that, people still aren't getting paid what they should be and they're still trying like things still aren't right. Like that's yeah. what it, it entices me about the
2: idea behind it. Behind yeah, and it? that's like, like this is the it. present. Exactly. Which is like right. the whole point of, of sci-fi, right?
0: Right. Plus, I like the idea that like it, it there's it, it indicates that things are still kind of rotten. That's what I like mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did not expect that part. I thought that was going to be like a fucking two minute. Like this is what I'm talking about. There
2: we no, go. No, I love it because that's that's why we're here. Like getting to have yeah. those discussions, right? Absolutely, absolutely. To form a
1: labor union.
2: <laughs> no, it's us form a labor union.
0: <laughs> oh no, if you uni- if you motherfuckers try and unionize, you're all gone. I'm getting new hosts. Dwarfs, <laughs> dwarfs, <So, dwarves. laughs> <laughs> <Or> dwarf union. <laughs> oh man, I'll write your fucking. Uh, I'll write your contracts and runes. So Chris will be excited about Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. All right. Let's move on to our uh, hook creating process. I'm going to go ahead and grab the dice and start there. Daniel, you know what I love about you?
2: I'm pain the ass.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
0: I love the fact that like we we can have conversations like that and just uh-huh. be like, uh, no, fuck you, sir. Exactly. You know, like, and it's, but it's like also like kind of we're like, hey, we get it. We're we're cool like that. You know, like any any time we can have serious um Discord. disagreements, yes, is like yeah, that's where I feel like shit should be. You know what I mean? Because
2: like, what what is the point if we're not gonna we gotta we gotta push our premises to the edge, right? Exactly. Exactly.
0: And then eventually, like what always ends up, ha- or what often ends up happening, I should say,
2: mm-hmm. is
0: okay, we've both talked to each other to the point where we understand what we're both trying to get at. Okay,
2: right. cool. Well, Can I think he's just figuring out what they're saying. Now, you know? Right. If yeah. you yeah. want to figure out what is the other person actually saying, they're, oh, okay, now I see what they're saying. I mean, you yeah. may not agree, but hey, at least you get it, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. And then Chris is over there like, mommy and dad, please stop fighting. <laughs> I feel like I'm home.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like my hot takes, like nobody, everybody hates them and they do not agree. But hey, I'm going to give you them. I'm give you them anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can I can understand why you think you're correct. I will also understand <laughs> that you're wrong. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, so let's go ahead and roll for the uh, plot hook that we're going to be rolling in our City of a Thousand Echoes. So the first genre that we need to kind of reconcile with for the hook is going to be... Gentlemen, how do we make this setting, which is a sci-fi setting, even more sci-fi than it already is? Um, I'm expecting, like, space lasers of some kind. Um, <laughs> And oh, boy. let's let's go ahead and give us a an archetype that we can kind of work with, all right? So we've got the quest. So we've got a sci-fi quest in a sci-fi setting. Now, I actually think I've kind of got an idea based around this. And the quest is getting to the city in and of itself. We've already got the sci-fi part of it. Uh, in in this in the setting itself, so why not go from like, hey, we're in the megacity. Maybe the quest is just to get to that city in the first place for someone who doesn't live there. Okay,
2: I like that. So then, how do we make it more sci-fi? There's a couple of directions for making it more sci-fi. One direction could be you do super hard sci-fi, right? Another direction could be you do like really um, out there. Sp- borderline spiritual experience 2001 sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are two possible directions, but which direction is more interesting?
0: See, my brain immediately, because we've actually played this setting pretty straight Mm -hmm. and part of me is just like, burn it to the ground. Let's go real (laughs) dumb and add space like (laughs) swords to it and shit like that. Space
1: swords.
0: (laughs) Space swords, yeah. Well, we can't say lightsabers because that's, uh, LucasArts will get us, so, you know. Uh, Or Disney
2: now? Oh God, that's even Disney will come
1: after you and take your kneecaps.
2: So you're thinking like, okay, let's down payment. Yes, (laughs) let's go away from hard sci-fi. So then, like, um,
1: oh no, no, no! (laughs) I'd rather
0: go hard sci-fi because my my dumb animal brain is like, and it's like, yeah.
2: (laughs) Okay, so that means like, okay, so that means the journey is really about is this planet like difficult to navigate through, and so it's like you know, a wild west journey, but on on, you know, through insane uh, terrains. And it's a matter of survival in this alien wilderness. And so you're relying on what's actually possible in science to get there.
1: We did make it into an ocean like planet. So Mm -hmm. it could be like a high seas adventure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and,
0: well, but, but not like a fun high seas adventure, like a pirate thing. Actually, we could make it like a Captain Phillips pirate thing where it's like you're on a giant like cargo ship, essentially. Could be a
2: submarine. Oh, now we're going Das Boot. Okay. Yeah, we can go <laughs> Das Boot with it. That's fine. So, like, the hard science comes in, like m- dealing with a submarine in, like, an, in an unusual alien ocean. Maybe, it, maybe mm-hmm. it can also surface, but it's dangerous to surface.
0: Oh, can we just have a go from the bottom of the ocean to the top? Oh, yeah,
1: sure.
0: Have like a Subnautica thing almost. Mm-hmm. Chris, you like that game,
1: right? Yeah, I'm a fan of that game. Also, we we did say that it was pretty creepy. So what if the the journey is told in the perspective of you started at the bottom of the ocean because time is weird, you start at the end of your
2: journey? Oh, oh weird. Right. Oh, I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, who's to say that your memories coincide with where your physical body is? So, what if you're just like, all right, well, we're at the bottom and we. This what?
2: Actually,
0: that's horrifying because on your journey, you gain crew members rather than losing them. <sighs> so, it's like yeah.
2: a, a tenant kind of journey, I guess. Like, I, I refuse
0: to watch that movie because Christopher Nolan was like, I'm going to try and kill people by putting it in theaters. So, like, that's not <laughs>
2: But it sounds mm. like that. So uh, we'll, we'll just throw the hard sides out the window and we'll go more with the crazy time stuff then, which I All think right, is that's more fine.
0: fun. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. All right. So we've got reverse time travel. Like, where did you come from? Who are you? What happened to you originally? You know, like uh-huh. or or actually it, it I mean, it also kind of sounds like uh Obra, the return of the Oberdin. Have you have you ever no. played that? Mm-hmm. So that is a fantastic game uh where you are uh, an insurance agent who is trying to figure out what happened to the ship that comes in and it's like a ghost ship oh. and you have this magical like watch that basically lets you pick parts and watch what happened oh, cool. in that time oh, that's
2: awesome. i like that yeah
0: so we could we could do like an oberdin type thing with it that'd be really cool
2: there could uh, be like detached echoes that have fallen into the ocean too
0: Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what, like, maybe that's partly what echoes do is like, they act as like ability to replay what happened. That'd be
2: interesting. Yeah. You could like convert them into the power to do that.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and roll our uh, next and final world building plot hook, which is going to be rolled again. (laughs) There we go. All right. Now, I feel like with a romance story, this could go, this, this can be pretty easy. Like, so what I would like to do is make it so it's not about falling in love with someone who's dead already. I want to take the echoes and try and remove it from that as much as possible. So how do we take a romance genre and apply it as a plot hook in our city of a thousand echoes?
1: I... I actually wanted to bring this up in the previous one. So feel free to disregard and create another one if it's not good enough, but I'm picturing one of the crew members like learning about his life and realizing he was married. Uh, and then suddenly that crew member comes back and he realizes that he lost his wife on this voyage. Oh,
0: okay. Well, that's a great idea and we're going to stick it with that other idea that we had before. Yeah. Let's keep that for sure. That, but oh, but romance. thank you for bringing it up. But but how do we make a romance plot hook for this city?
2: We don't want to use the echoes. Um, let's see.
0: If we're using the echoes, I want to do it cleverly. I don't want to do it like, oh, it's my wife who died and now I'm right. able to... Like, that's yeah, been we done a million times. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. we, we, I, exactly. We've I'm literally, literally already done that. I mean, so. you could
1: also do the her thing where it's all of these little AIs or echoes that are actually talking mm-hmm. to thousands of people simultaneously.
0: See, now that yeah. for, for something like that, that actually sounds like a Richard subplot, uh-huh. <laughs> like like uh-huh. Richard falling in love. That that sounds that sounds kind of interesting. But but let's try and keep it away from that. Even like I feel like we've we've exhausted the Richard tank. So love far. by the about like
2: class relation, like your um your worker people. One of them um, having a relationship with, I don't know, say um, someone at the inside of the rift who <laughs> is a wealthy scientist or something like maybe there's a, a difference in class could be interesting.
0: Okay, actually that, that sounds like a really cool idea is that this person who is a runner mm-hmm. runs and goes into the rift because that's where their loved one is or like they basically like have this kind of unrequited love or maybe it's like an unspoken love with someone who lives or is in or is deep within the rift itself and the only way that they can continue to see them and spend time with them is by running these incredibly dangerous missions into the rift
2: oh because they're like stationed in the interior of the rift like maybe they work there and they talk to each other via the computer but they want to actually get to them
0: right like there there's this kind of like i'm in love with this person Like, this is the only thing that keeps me going, that gives me hope, is to see this person on these
2: missions. Oh, and there's only one chance for them to get in. So there's, like, this. the story is the runner. Like, they literally have to run their way into the rift.
0: Essentially, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. That's cool.
0: All right. Um, Cool. I feel like that will just about wrap it up for our City of a Thousand Echoes, unless Chris has something else that he wants to
1: add. No, I'm good.
0: Good. Chris, you can go fuck yourself. I love you, though.
1: What? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that'll
0: just about wrap it up for this episode of World Build With Us. Thank you so much for listening. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always send us an email to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com or you can go ahead and shoot us a tweet over at Let's World Build. Or you can join our community and talk world building with us pretty much all the time by joining our discord. Or if you want to shoot to the front of the line and be an incredibly generous person like our patron Jacob, you can always donate to us on Patreon. Link for that in the description. So that'll do for this week. Remember that we love you very much and we're gonna get through this together.